I want to thank all of you that have reached out in love to our family in recent weeks. We serve an awesome God. He's the God of the mountains, but he's also God of the valleys. He's one that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we think or ask. He is God. There are none like him. And I want you to know on behalf of our entire family, uh, we are extremely grateful for all the prayers and the cards and the uh, letters and the pictures and the photographs and on and on that you have uh, shared with us. And uh, Beth is uh, doing uh, better day by day. And every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And the longer you serve him, the sweeter he grows. But he is an awesome, awesome God. And your ministry to us is not in vain. And I want to speak for our entire family when I say thank you. Our staff has been incredible. I think they do better when I'm not here than when I am. And uh, I know that you are here today because you believe that Jesus is alive. And if he's alive, that means everything in this book is inspired and errant and infallible. Now, our prayer today is that you will know before this service is over who Jesus is. The title of my message today is, Who is Jesus? It is a question of questions. Who is he? Who is this one named Jesus? Well, if you want to know, there's a lot of ways that we can know who he is. And I'm going to give you four very clear examples of who he is. But he gave us this Bible and he filled it with his power. He wrote it. He is going to come back one day to this earth and he is going to fulfill every prophecy that is in this book that has not been fulfilled before he comes back. And I want to take you this morning to a scripture that I will confess to you came alive to me in the recent weeks. It is not a scripture that I have ever used before on Easter. I think this is my 58th Easter to be able to preach. And uh, I don't think I've missed a one in 58 years. And I know that today that I'm going to be sharing something with you that God has revealed to me from the Holy Word of God. I want you to turn in the Bible, uh, if you have your copy of the Bible with you, to Hebrews chapter 1. Now, as you turn to Hebrews, let me say to you that may not uh, know uh, a lot about the Bible, the book of Hebrews, we don't know for sure who the author of the book is. It really doesn't hinder that. It makes it more come alive. We know that God wrote it, but most people think Paul did. Some say, well, it sounds like Paul, but the word choice is a little bit different from some of his other writings. But what we do know is that in the first three verses of the book of Hebrews are the greatest teaching of who Jesus is that I know of in all the Bible. It gets down to every minute detail in three verses as to who he is. So I want you to just listen, and uh, you can look to the screen if you like, 
But let me read to you from Hebrews chapter 1. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners, and let me just stop there because some of you say, what does sundry and diverse mean? Uh, I just want you to kind of hold on there for a minute and uh, I'm going to try to explain to you that that just means various. Put the word various in there. God who at various times and in various manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these days spoken unto us by his son whom he hath appointed heir over all things. Now listen to this sentence. By whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, set down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Who is Jesus? That is one question you must know the proper answer to. Because that question will affect everything in your life. It has affected your past, it is affecting you now, and it'll affect everything you do until God calls us home. Who is Jesus? That question rings in my heart and mind this morning, and I want to put it in a context. Some of you have been to the Holy Land. If you hadn't been, you ought to be. You ought to go. And uh, when you go over to the Holy Land, your guide, and I know I checked this with Stuart, and he says, yes, Pastor, I always take folks to this place. And that is, there's a journey over to the Mediterranean Sea to a place called Caesarea Philippi. There is the ruins there of an old Roman temple where at one time, every known God in the world, there was a granite statue built to symbolize that God. And one day, God, Jesus, took his disciples on a Holy Land tour over to the Mediterranean and took them to that church building. And as they went in there, and they were all standing there, and Jesus is the guide, he asked the penetrating question, who say you guys that I am? You see, he started off with his disciples wanting to make sure that they knew who he was. Let me read it to you. This is Matthew 16, 13. But when Jesus came unto the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, verse 15, But whom do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, of course, answered. He had, was known for doing that kind of thing. And he answered and he said, listen, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. In that moment, 
there were two sides. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and all the other gods are over here. Until you come to understand that, that I want to help you understand it today, as it's helped me to understand it through study of the Scripture. God wants us to know, not only on Easter that He is risen, but in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And in the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, the last two verses, he sums it up. The last three verses, he sums it up. And so today I want you to listen as closely as possible as I try to answer, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? If I were to say I'm going to give you five minutes to write it down, could you handle it? I don't think so. But I want to say one more time, everything in history and everything in your personal life will depend on me and you understanding who is Jesus. Because you see, we come on Easter, my dad had a sense of humor, and he always uh, would use it in a practical way. And I remember when I first became a preacher, and he said, now son, Easter is a exciting time. He said, more people will come, and the offering will be smaller, and fewer people will join the church than any other day of the year. I thought, boy, that seems like a contradiction, but it hadn't been. But you see, we don't understand who Jesus is. We don't understand you don't come to church because Jesus is at the church house. There is another teaching that if we don't get it, we're going to miss everything because our answer, who is Jesus, will determine our destiny. Not only how we live today, but it will determine our destiny forever and forever and forever. Now, everybody has an opinion. Some people say, in times past, Jesus was a fanatic. Some said he was a fraud. Some say he was a fake. Some say that he was a con artist, that he planned his resurrection. He got the disciples together. They put this plan together and said, we can just touch the world if we pull this thing off. And so we're going to call it the swoon theory. You know, I'm going to pass out. You're going to put me in a cold grave and I'm going to come back too and I'm going to run off and the world's going to be confused for the rest of, the, of eternity. Well, that sounds crazy, doesn't it? But you know, a lot of people believe that. They think Jesus is a folk hero, that Jesus was the founder of the Christian religion. That's not who Jesus is. Do you know who he is? H.G. Wells says he was a religious figure. Albert Schweitzer said he was a historical folk hero. Now, my question to you is, who do you say God is? Who do you say he is? Keep thinking with me. When we understand who God is and who Jesus is, and we, understanding who he is, Invite him to become Lord of our life. Every single thing in our life will change instantaneously and will remain changed forever and forever and forever. Who is Jesus? And there are four things that I want to call to your attention this morning. Number one, Jesus is God creating, creating. As I said to you a moment ago in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What did he say when it came time to make man? Let us make man. He didn't say, I'm going to make man. He said, let us make man. 
God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit didn't show up at three different times, always has been. Different ones take the stage at different times. But it was in the beginning and it still is now. But here's what I want you to notice back in our text in Hebrews. That the scripture clearly teaches us that Jesus participated in all of creation. In all of creation. He is the one that was number one, the God of creation. The Bible says the worlds were created by him and for him. In John chapter 1, again in the New Testament, verses 1 through 3, listen to these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the, it was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, and without him. Nothing was made that was made. Who is the him? Jesus. From the beginning of time, Jesus was involved. Now, he had not appeared in the flesh in a little baby in Bethlehem. But he was alive. He was a part of the Godhead. And he was in the beginning a part of creation. And God, through Jesus, one of the ways is through creation. Now, most people in Houston don't believe that. Most people in the world don't believe that. Most people at the Space Center don't believe that. They've got their own theory. One day, long, long time ago in a far, far away land, there was a cosmic accident. There was a big bang out there in Never Never Land, and two things came together and boom! The world was formed. Incredibly deep thinking, isn't that? And in the midst of millions of years and slime was everywhere and out of that slime, some kind of a lizard or something crawled out and stood up. It would make a good commercial on television, wouldn't it? And it wasn't over yet, though. Something had to happen to that lizard. So his tail got shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. And look at who's sitting by you now. And that is the result. Wow. What a story. Let me tell you something. It takes more faith to believe that story than it does in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. I mean, that would sound like that the dictionary and, and the Bible and uh, the thesaurus were all from an explosion at a print factory and it all just fell down into a beautiful, beautiful place. But you see, God says something. The Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit and the Father said, we've made ourselves so evident in creation that man is without an excuse. And today, we are looking at a world that is terribly mixed up. In the beginning, God created the celestial world. 
God created the, the, that's the heavens, the terrestrial world, the earth. He made the physical world, all the things on the earth. He made the botanical world. He made the spiritual world of angels. And you can go on and on and on. Jesus made it all. If Jesus didn't make it, it doesn't exist. God is the only one can make something out of nothing. Think about it. Man can take something and make it into something better, but only God can create the heavens and the earth. Only Jesus, the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is God creating according to the Scripture. The babe in Bethlehem, the carpenter in Nazareth, the suffering Savior, the resurrected Lord, all of these was a part of God's creation. God sent his only begotten son and he rose from a grave after being crucified on a Roman cross. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but Jesus was a part of it. And the Bible says he upholds all things by the word of his power. He speaks things into existence. Colossians 1:14, in whom we have redemption through the blood, even the forgiveness of sin, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. But now listen to this. For by him are all things created that are in the heavens and in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities of, or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. That's Jesus. What a mighty God we serve. He is not just a man that had been crucified because he allowed them to crucify him that stood in an open tomb. He is God, and he's coming back again. And all those prophecies have been fulfilled, but there's one that hasn't been fulfilled, that Jesus Christ is coming again. But he is the Colossian force that holds it together. The oceans stay in their boundaries. Our rivers run into the ocean. We are able to see the planets stay in their orbit. And the sun and the earth, the right distance apart. A little closer we would burn up, a little farther away we would freeze. He's got the whole world in his hand. Somebody ought to write a song about that, don't you think? I think that'd be a good thing. But you know what? Things are falling apart today. You know why? Because Jesus is the glue that holds it all together. See, our families are forsaking God. Individuals are forsaking God. Nations are forsaking God. The world is forsaking God, and the world is falling apart. Because you see, these things that God has created, Jesus is a part of not only bringing them into existence, but holding it together. Now, let me ask you a question. If God can hold this world together, could he hold your marriage together? Can he hold your sanity together? Can he hold your business together? Can he manage your finances? Can he do all of that? If he's got the whole world in his hands, this is nothing for him to do. And yet, we're falling apart. Why? Because we don't know who Jesus is. Or if we know him, we have rejected him and said, stay out of my life. I'll do what I want to do, and one day I'll say the prayer and get baptized. 
No, my friend, that's not what the scripture teaches. Do you believe the resurrected Lord can hold your world together? I promise you, he can. In these last days, Hebrews says, he's spoken to us through his son. God wants to guide you, teach you, love you, show you, reveal to you who he is. He is the God of creation. And he speaks through our conscience. That little voice that's in you. God put it there. Did you ever hear somebody say, I cried myself to sleep last night? Why? You couldn't, was the dog asleep? Yeah. Was your husband gone and everybody gone? Yeah. Well, why are you crying? Well, I just feel, well, why do you feel bad? Well, there's just something in me. That's called a conscience. That's that thing that tells you, I know it's not right, but I think I can get by with it. I think I'm just going to test it. I'm just going to socially do it. But that conscience tells you. You don't need to be doing that. You don't need to be watching that. You don't, you don't need to be acting that way. What is all of that? It is Jesus. That's who he is. He is alive. And he and God has put us in a place where Jesus can live in our life. And the Holy Spirit can guide us day by day. God communicates through our conscience. He communicates through the commandments, the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament, the 49 commandments of Jesus, through prophets and preachers. Romans 10, 14 says, How shall they hear without a preacher? God speaks through visions, dreams, miracles. We know of God through types and symbolisms like crosses and doves, ectuses, and all of these things. We can get to know through symbolism something about him. But last thing that God sent to us is Jesus. You want to know God? You'll know him through Jesus. For God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so God has sent to us Jesus, and we celebrate his resurrection today, remembering that on Friday he was on a cross and for more than 30 years lived without sin and was born of a virgin. We know all of that, but yet Jesus is alive today and is ready to take any life that will allow him and take control of it. Matthew 24, 35 says, My word will never pass away. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Proverbs 30, verse 5, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. And you know what? When Jesus came, now listen very carefully. That's our last revelation. It's over with, folks. Jesus said, it is finished. When Jesus died on that cross and said, it's finished, and rose from that grave, sealing the deal, what we must understand today is there is illumination available to you, but there's no more revelation available. You say, well, why are you saying that? Well, let me tell you why. People are always appearing on the scene of the religious world today that have new revelations. If you watch them on television, they'll tell you, write them, they'll send you a copy of the Bible and another book. 
that is another revelation. And you'll certainly want to get one of these books and read it. And so we have names like Brigham Young, Joseph Smith, Garner Ted Armstrong, Mary Baker Eddy, Judge Rutherford, and the list goes on and on and on. Listen, the revelation of God's Word is finished. Go to the last chapter. Go to the, to the final chapter in the Bible, 22nd chapter of Revelation. Listen to the words. For I testify unto every man that hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God will add unto him the plagues that are written in the book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city from the things which are written in this book. What does it say? You don't add to it. You don't take away. Don't you get hung up on a television preacher that every time he comes on, he's got a new revelation from God. It is finished. You can interpret the scriptures, but you don't add to the scriptures. Somebody's lying. If what I'm preaching to you is not accurate, I'm telling you somebody's lying. Either Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he's the only way to heaven, or he's none of the ways to heaven. That's where we have to come down on. So who is he? Who is he? Well, I got friends, and they're better than I am, and I tell you, that's, most wonderful. that's wonderful. But that's not salvation. That's not what Jesus came to die for. But what we have to do is to know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except by him. There's no other thing. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. God is holy, and nobody is holy unless God lives in us. The final word of communication always comes from Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He is the full communication. You say, well, I just don't understand the Trinity, Pastor. You know something? I don't either. And no, your professor doesn't either. Only God understands it. We'll understand it better by and by. But I do know this. I know who Jesus is. Jesus is the creator. He's the sustainer. He's the savior. He's the crucified savior and the resurrected Lord. And he's coming back again. And the reason I know it, you ask me how I know he lives, he lives within the heart of every single believer. So he is God creating he is God communicating, but he's also God caring. He's God caring. Jesus cares about you. Yes, he cares about your family. He cares about your marriage. He cares about your job. He cares about your illness. He cares about your finances. He cares about everything that's going on. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to be in his family. He wants you to be able to go wherever you go and know that you're not alone that when you put your head on the pillow and you go to sleep at night, that if God chooses to take you home, so be it, so shall we ever be with the Lord. He has said, come unto me, all you that are weary. Is anybody like that here today? All you that are heavy laden. Anybody here heavy laden? I'll give you rest, he says. I'll give you rest. It's better than a pill. It's better than medication. Jesus is alive, my dear friend. And God revealed himself to us by creation, by our communication, through our conscience, 
And then look what the Bible says in Hebrews 1.3, our original scripture. It says, when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. I've got to wrap this up real quick, but let me ask you something. When you get through the work that you do, what do you do? You sit down. You're out in the yard working, you're sweating. What do you say? Honey, I'm going to sit down, bring me a glass of tea. Don't sit down, you're not finished. Yeah, I'm finished. Look, I got it all done. See, in, in the temple over by the Mediterranean, they had all of these statues, but you know what they didn't have in there? They didn't have any seats. You know why they didn't have any seats? Because the priest could never sit down. Everybody came in there ministering to them, ministering to them, ministering to them. They didn't have time to sit down. But the high priest, when he rose from the grave, it's finished. And he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And now he's watching. Do they even know who I am? And you know what they're down there saying? Well, I go to church every Sunday, or most of the time, when I'm not providentially hindered. And I, I read some of the Bible. I don't understand much of it, but I don't understand. I know that. Oh, yeah, every once in a while I put a little bit in the bucket when it comes by. You know, I stop by the door and chunk a couple of dollars in, you know. But I know I'm a Christian because you ought to see my friends. I'm better than all of them. I mean, they drink a lot. I just drink a little bit. They run around every once in a while. I mean, all the time on their mate, but I just every once in a while. Oh, I every once in a while, you know, excuse my French, you know, I use my language just a little bit, but not very much, you know. Of course not. Uh-uh. But my friends, oh gosh, they just, they just cuss like a drunk sailor. You're so far out in left field as to what the Bible teaches, you don't get it. You don't know who Jesus is. Jesus says abstain from the appearance of evil. Don't go in and try to, try to edit everything you read and everything you watch, but God has spoken to us. In a clear, clear way, through creation, through communication, and nobody cares for you like Jesus Christ. Now it's finished. He is risen from the grave. Joining the church will not help you, but if you're saved, you'll want to join the church. You'll want to be a part of the church, but it won't save you. Being baptized won't save you. I'm talking to a lot of people right now. And you know what your testimony is? I said the prayer when I was eight. I was baptized when I was nine. And so I know I'm saved. Well, does God live in your life? Do you feel his caring? Do you feel his communication? Do you feel his comfort? Do you feel his joy? If not, then something is wrong. So listen. When it all boils down to what God has done, through creation, through communication, and through caring, there came the one last thing. Jesus was born, died, lived a perfect life, died on a cross on a Friday, and rose from a grave on Sunday. And you know what? He's coming back again. Right. Who's coming back again? Jesus. You've got to be kidding me. No, I'm not. Who told you that? God did, and Jesus did, through the Word. I go to prepare a place for you, John 14, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm coming back again to receive you unto myself, that where I am there you can be also. The King is coming, folks. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. There'll be no more appointment of Supreme Court judges. There'll be nobody else to be elected president, and there'll be nobody that needs to preach any longer. Because the king has come to take his children home. Well, who are the children? 
those that know Jesus. Because you can't get to the Father unless you come to the Son. And if you think Jesus is back there 2,000 years ago rather than in this room right now, you'll never see God in heaven unless you meet him here on the earth. But it's finished. The battle is over. Sin has been defeated. And Jesus is Lord.